Welcome into a Wednesday morning edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Shaw, joined once again by the boys over at Locked On Nets, our bitter rivals. Hate those guys. They're idiots. But we'll tolerate them for now. We're going to discuss more NBA awards, most improved, coach of the year, and defensive player of the year. All that and more in your earbuds next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Knox foul from behind, count one. What he does is contagious. Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane to Trier. Becomes infectious. Have you guys ever had your aunt add you to a Facebook chat where you don't know anyone? Is that just that happened to me? I haven't had it happen yet, but who knows? Okay. All right, we can keep moving. All right. Um, uh, Gavin, any comments on Derek Rose before we move on? Any thoughts uh, on him being yeah. third? He's had, a, he's had a nice season on a very, very bad Detroit team. So. Yeah, it was, it was tough for me to find a third person. Josh, I'm surprised we stumbled on the same one because I, I think we both kind of struggled with that. I think Schroeder and Harrell were like the clear top two. and then. Yeah, I was just like, eh. Yeah. Wait, can I just throw out something? Did you guys know that Derrick Rose is younger than Steph Curry? Because that blew me away when I, I realized that. <laughs> I guess that, that makes sense. Well, I don't know. And Rose is a one-and-done guy. This, yeah. this, this one's going to blow you away. Steph Curry is the same age, and once he turns 32, as Andrew Bynum. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I feel like you, you could do a whole podcast of just, like, surprising NBA ages. A lot of people don't know this, but Corey Maggette is actually younger than DeMontis Sabonis. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that really blows me away. All right. Uh, that feels like a semi-natural segue, because Sabonis did improve a lot this year. Let's talk about most improved. Um, most improved player. Um, I was hoping coming into the season, Josh, I think you were as well, that Karis Levert would be in the conversation for this. Unfortunately, uh, he had, he had a big injury. Um, but I, I think once he came back, he did look uh, a lot better. His shot got more consistent. Unfortunately for me, did not play enough games to merit consideration in this. Um, I think we might start to differ a little bit here, Josh, uh, cause our ballots have been mostly pretty similar. Um, for most improved, I had, Bam Adebayo first, Fred Van Vliet second, and Devontae Graham third. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think, well, first to your Karis point, I think he would make the list if it was like biggest in-season glow up for what he did over the last few weeks, but definitely not most improved looking at the entire thing. I can't believe you didn't have Brandon Ingram in the top three. He was, for me, a clear runaway for this award, um, given what he was able to do from an efficiency standpoint, a guy that was really... um, took a lot of flack for not having a consistent jump shot. Now going out there shooting over six attempts a game from three and hitting them at a 39% clip. What he did this year was awesome to me. And he's been able to put himself on track for being a a perennial all-star player, or at least borderline all-star player in the years ahead. Second, Schroeder, he was a guy that in Atlanta had kind of always been uh, maligned for being inefficient or being a ball hog. And from his three-point shooting and what he did this year, as we already talked about in the six-man segment, um, has been awesome. And then uh, throwing a couple of guys, I didn't really have a clear number three. 
but to throw a couple guys out there, Van Fleet, who you had on your list, Christian Wood also um, mm-hmm. tested for coronavirus, but someone he was he was one of those guys who would just be there in garbage minutes and putting up really good efficiency stats. And you say, I don't know if this can translate, but the year he had with Detroit. Uh, getting actually more efficient and better permanent stats while actually playing and contributing to winning, I thought was awesome. And then a guy who had a season cut short was Jonathan Isaac. Um, mm. I wanted to give mention just to address some of yours. I think Bam, um, he definitely got more recognition this year and he has made some really nice improvements, but I was super high on him last year also. And um, I think I was kind of ahead of ahead of the curve on him in the years before. So that's why I'm not rewarding him as much for his, glove and the recognition he's gotten around the league and then um if this if we were doing this in november obviously Devonte graham was the runaway but he's been so uh, inefficient and struggling these last few months i had to dock him but did consider him yeah his shooting numbers have, have really fallen off but he's still 37 percent from three uh for the season 18 and seven and a half assists a game uh with bam i i felt like uh for me he's kind of become like a light version of Nikola Jokic, like 16 points, 10 and a half rebounds, five assists, 57% from the field this season. And I, I think it's partially uh, similar to, to what I said about Kendrick Nunn, just like the Miami Heat exceeded expectations a ton. And I think to your point, Bam has been good for a while, but he got more uh, of an opportunity this season. And uh, he's getting praise from from guys like Jimmy Butler, his teammate, who were saying like Bam's the MVP of our team this season. And I fully believe that. I think that he is the reason that they've been uh, as good as they have and that they've exceeded expectations as much as they have. And I think his uniqueness as a player is partially what drew me to him. Uh, And then with Van Vliet, um, he's a guy who he played this well uh, in the finals last year, but like last regular season and in like the, the beginning of the playoffs was nowhere near as consistent. And it's gotten to a point where um, we mentioned a guy like Karis LeVert earlier uh, Josh, you and I have talked about how him and Spencer Dinwiddie, like late in games, I feel like they're an automatic one for two from the line. Van Vliet is a guy who I like fully trust at all times. And he's not only that, he's playing uh, extremely well, 17 and a half points, six and a half assists a game, 39% from three. Um, he just kind of has become a rock for that Raptors team. And like through all their injuries, he's been the guy who's been there. Uh, the whole season, like really contributing at a high level. So I, I, I kind of just wanted to reward him. I know you mentioned him too. And then Ingram, um, I did have him fourth on my list. Um, I probably could put him ahead of Graham at this point. Gavin, what do you think? Um, I actually, it's it's interesting how, how this has gone because I agreed with Marcus on rookie, then Josh swayed me on six man. And now I'm totally team Josh. Ugh. This award, most improved. Uh, I, have, I have Christian Wood as my winner, like a guy who I just don't think... I just don't think he was like really relevant as an NBA player a year ago. And maybe that's that's my own ignorance. But I just I don't really remember him doing anything to like a dude who I think like might be on track to be a future all star at only 24 years old. Like it's it's crazy. People are calling it the the Corona game now, Um, like the game we probably got he scored 32 <laughs> points on Rudy Gobert. And he'd only play, he played 13. You know, what's funny. You know, he was on the Bucks roster last year. Could you imagine they just held on to him? Yeah. Like, well, he was like a consistent G League, like all star. Everyone was wondering why he hadn't gotten called up. And it's crazy that it took Detroit to take a chance on him for him to actually get like a legitimate contract. 
That's a shame that Milwaukee didn't keep him because like, isn't that crazy? Like, I don't want to say Christian Wood could swing the finals, but I really, I think he'd make, he'd make a difference for them. And yeah, no, I mean, he's just a guy like over like the last like month and a half who like, I like, because I, I'm pretty sure he's a free agent this off season. Um, I really want the Knicks yeah. to go after potentially like I, I, to me, like he's like one of the more interesting free agents, just to give you guys an idea post all-star break, which is only, only nine games. Unfortunately, might finish is only nine games, but averaging 24 points. 10 boards, one block on 57, 39, 76 shooting. That's nuts. Like he, he's been, he, he's been great and looks like a future star. Um, I had Ingram second. I, I think the jump from like solid player to like clear all-star is, is a pretty significant one. And on a new Orleans team that looked like it was going to have a heck of a lot of depth at the beginning of the season after Zion got hurt and like they were dealing with other injuries and guys in and out of the lineup. Like he, he really carried them for stretches. Granted, they were still pretty bad for the most part. But even before Zion came back, they were turning into a pretty scary team. And I think that was all on Ingram turning himself into one of the higher level scorers in the sport. Uh, third, there were like a couple different guys I was considering. But I ultimately, I agree with Marcus. I went with Bam. Like, I just think, I think the leap from like pretty good to like all-star is, it's just a little more important to me than like from sort of like inessential role player to like high level role player. So I think, I think Bam deserves to be recognized and, and awarded for that because I, I agree with Marcus. Like he's, I, I think he's um, like maybe not their most valuable guy in the playoffs. Like I think Jimmy Butler is like the guy they could least afford to lose, but I think he's been their best player this season and, and the heat have been really good and, and one of my favorite teams to watch all year. So I think he belongs in that conversation. Um, another guy in the Miami heat, Duncan Robinson also got a little consideration for me. Like he just, he was good last year, but he just wasn't nearly this consistent and didn't play nearly as much. And he's gone from that to one of the highest level shooters in the sport. Another Pelican Alonzo ball um, turned himself from a negative shooter into like a really, like a really high level three point shooter at the point guard spot. And, and I think, I think the job he's done both offensively and defensively is, this season just because there are so many guys there have gone kind of underrated in new Orleans and just two guys under the radar. Davis Bertans has, has sort of like Robinson gone from like kind of a bit role player to one of the three or four best three point shooters in the league. I'd, I'd say he's even been better than Robinson this year. And then another, um, a Toronto Raptor who's, who's not Fred Van Fleet, even though I agree he, he belongs in the mix. Marcus, uh, Norm Powell, um, a guy who's been in, inconsistent forever. Yep. Um, has been one of their best scores and like especially when they've had all these injuries like he, he's been guiding them as one of the better teams in the league and been one of the top two or three or four guys in their rotation so uh, that's that's sort of the litany of my guys but I feel very good about that Christian Wood pick yeah I, I think uh, Norm Powell is a, a good one Nets fans will remember Norm Powell and be pissed at him for taking Karis LeVert's uh, player of the week award when Karis had the 51 and the triple double uh, Norm got player of the week that week He's had a great season as well. I think Christian Wood has too. Um, my only thing with him at number one is like, if you look at the history of, of this award, it kind of goes to guys like uh, Ingram or Adebayo who kind of either became all-stars that season or like go on to do that. Like the last eight or the last seven uh, most improved players, Siakam, Oladipo, Giannis, CJ McCollum, Jimmy Butler, Dragic, Paul George. So I feel like unless Christian Wood, you think he's going to be in that class, this award is kind of for those guys going from good to great, even though I think in my head, like if, if I didn't see that list, I would have thought, yeah, it's kind of the guys who like most surprise you in a season. But it does seem like uh, the ballot has kind of leaned towards uh, guys who make that jump from good to great. 
Look, Marcus, we've never had a season end because of a coronavirus outbreak. Yeah. We gotta, <laughs> we're, it's changing times, and we, we got to change with them. I also think – I just realized that we didn't mention uh, Siakam. Guys, if you know me, you know I love a good life hack. And the best one can be found on my phone. It is the Blinkist app. It's hard to find time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There is an incredible app that solves that problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is quite unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. With its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute or your lunch break or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive growing library from self-help, business, health-to-history books. Big Blinkist has the latest titles from the bestsellers, as well as the classic nonfiction titles you were always meant to read, but you never quite had time to. You know, I like Blinkist because it's all about efficiency, and I'm doing this podcast, I'm quarantining myself in my room. I only have so much time to read books, and I love books. But at the end of the day, the main utility of them is to make my life better. You can find almost any book you want on Blinkist. And remember, with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time only, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. You can go to Blinkist.com MBA to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com MBA to start your seven-day free trial. And you also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com MBA. And I think yeah. he he definitely deserves just because there's so many guys on the Raptors who are really good and so many guys on the Raptors, particularly for this award, just because I mean, it's, it's obvious how incredible their player development program is that they have going there. But like, again, like he he made he made yet another leap this year. And and it's sort of similar with him and Van Vliet. And the reason I didn't think of those guys is because for the most part, they were both so good in the playoffs. But uh, Siakam went from sort of like inconsistent uh, third banana to like a legit number one option on the best team in the league and, and sorry, best team in the league a team that played like the best team in the league for stretches this year and I also I get the argument that like like his ceiling is is probably like lower than like a top 10 to 15 guy but I just think he was so far away from being this consistent of a type of dude and you, you've seen it in some big games like where he's like he really has come to play like even going up against like heavy heavy hitters in this league and the guys we're talking about in the MVP race and the first team all NBA race so I, I think I think he deserves some credit for the the type of jump he made this year as well yeah definitely and, and Siakam I think is maybe hurt in this by having just won it like uh Definitely, I think there's like a hesitancy to give a guy like the same award two years in a row, particularly sure. this one. Um, sure. I think that, that that happened with with LeBron a lot uh, in his prime. And I think it, it was close to happening this season with Giannis, where, right. uh, like we said, like I think if the season had continued, that uh, LeBron's campaign would have maybe picked up more momentum and maybe gotten him the award. We saw it uh, with Harden last year after he had won the year before. Like, I think people are 
for whatever reason, they, they just are like, okay, this guy just won. Let's pick someone else now. Um, so I think that probably uh, contributed even like subconsciously to us not bringing up Siakam earlier. Marcus, I never realized you were so into consensus. You're talking about what everyone else is doing. I thought you were a color outside the lines kind of guy. Gavin, this is all outside the lines. No one is making picks yet. This whole this whole podcast is outside the lines. Shout kidding? out to Bob Lee. Yeah, I was going to say, Bob Lee isn't even here. Where is he? <laughs> Where's Bob Lee? Stay safe, Bob Lee. Keep Bob Lee inside. Should uh, we, can we tweet this episode out with the hashtag, keep Bob Lee inside? We'll see. We'll see how the rest of the podcast <laughs> Hashtag goes. social distance Bob Lee. Like if anyone, distance, yeah, if anyone, if Bob Lee calls you to hang out, don't do it. Yeah, for his sake. Yeah, for his sake. Yeah. All right. Before before we get too far off the rails, uh, let's steer this back a little bit to to uh, some more awards picks. Um, we, we mentioned a couple Toronto Raptors in the last uh, section, which which tracks with this next award, Coach of the Year. Um, I have Nick Nurse number one, and then I have. It gets a little bit hazy. I think coaching is kind of hard to separate from the actual talent on the roster and also from uh, GMing in terms of, like, constructing and building that roster. But after Nurse, I went with Brad Stevens and then Billy Donovan uh, of the Celtics and Thunder, respectively. Obviously, there's, like, a ton of guys you can make a case for. Um, so I'm expecting that we'll all kind of have picks from all, all over the league. But, Josh, who did you who did you have for this award? Yeah, I— uh... I think you really can't go wrong because I feel like with this award any year, there's like six coaches that did a really good job. And you named guys like um, like Billy Donovan and, and Bud, who I didn't have on my list. I went with Taylor Jenkins, number one. Mm. Uh, I just think the job he did with Memphis and like their lack of talent and just helping them um, for, for a team that didn't expect to compete for the playoffs for at least a couple of years to just accelerate that that track so much is awesome uh, and just a great job there for a guy who's very young in his coaching tenure. Nick Nurse, second, um, with the job he did with this Lakers team, obviously have a ton of talent, but I mean, I think we all kind of expected, like, every, like, uh, sorry, no, hell, I fucked up, because I have Vogel third. Hold on, let me just, let me redo my thing after Nurse. Three, two, one. Nick Nurse at, at second, the job he's done with this Raptors team, not only uh, after losing Kawhi, but also Danny Green has been uh, phenomenal. And the contributions that they've gotten out of role players um, like a Norman Powell and, and his contributions, Van Fleet, who's done an awesome job and, and really kind of carried the momentum he had last season. Guys like Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis emerging. Uh, he's cobbled together a really excellent team. So I'll go with him second and then Vogel third. Obviously, Lakers are extremely talented, but I think everyone came in uh, to the year saying, uh, you know, who knows if Vogel was the right hire. Obviously, his guys like Kidd and Lionel Hollins on his staff who might be future successors if LeBron gets sick of him. But the job that he's done and, and kind of the um, really they've managed to um, really stay on a good track um, as a team. And everyone is is on the same page. And I think a lot of that credit has to do with Frank Vogel, not necessarily for the X's and O's, but more so for the managing of personalities. Uh, so I'll give him that third spot. Are you, are you saying for the Jims and Joes, Josh? It's <laughs> exactly what I'm saying, Gavin. Oh, good. I, th- I thought you cut out for a second. You're kind of hesitant there. Um, I had uh, I, I have Billy Donovan as, as my winner, which I never thought I'd say because I, I didn't think he was a good coach for a long time at, at the NBA level anyways. But I think it's pretty amazing what he did with that Thunder team this year. And it's 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 hard when when rosters have guys like Chris Paul and LeBron who are such basketball geniuses. I'm like, all right, who's, who's really coaching the team? So may, maybe a co-award to Billy Donovan and CP3. 
But just, I mean, I think it's pretty incredible. They have the same record as, as the Rockets this year in just like a absolutely loaded Western Conference where on a night-to-night basis, basically every team you play is at least competitive or pretty good um, that he's guided them to the fifth spot this year with, with again, just, just a weird, weird team overall, um, I think is really impressive. And a pretty pretty young team outside of uh, their like their core of uh, Gallo, uh, CP, and Steven Adams. So I, I give him a lot of credit. I had Taylor Jenkins second. I think what he's done this year in Memphis is amazing. And there, there was a stretch where the Grizzlies fell off a little bit. Like if they were playing over 500, I, I might even consider putting him in first just because I don't think that team has any business being in the eighth seed. Um, that was great. And then third, I actually, I, I will kind of, I, I thought a lot about putting Nick Nurse here, but I just think that's such a deep roster. And it's just, it's, it's, again, it's hard to separate Masai Ujiri from Nurse in that sense. And also, and like, I don't know, like who deserves credit for their player development, whether that's Nurse himself or like the rest of their staff. Um, so that was sort of like, not, not my issue with him, but just kind of picking nits because again, you could, you could put any of 10 guys in the top three in some order and, and it'd be fine. But I, I had Mike Budenholzer third. And I think too often we, we kind of discount coaches because of infrastructure in these settings and say, all right, they, they built that up years ago and they were just sort of running it back. But to have Milwaukee, like obviously they've fallen off a little bit, like with Giannis injured, but like at one point, like on track to finish um, with 70 wins this year um, on a team that has one genuine superstar and like another really, really good player in Chris Middleton. But just but just one genuine guy at that level, like you think about the like the Heat teams that were absolutely loaded with with Wade, James and Bosch and like they never approached 70 wins like this. It's it's just it's pretty it's pretty amazing what he's done. And I know it's sort of the same thing that he did last year, but I, I don't think that diminishes the accomplishment. As far as honorable mentions, uh, Nurse, I would probably have in fourth. And then a few other guys I wanted to mention, uh, Mike D'Antoni, just because of sort of the boldness of the direction the Rockets have gone. And it's hard to tell if that's on his mandate or if it's on Daryl Morey's mandate. But I, I just I like the innovation, even if it has worn off a little bit after they had a 10 game stretch following those trades where it seemed like they were playing like the best team in basketball. Eric Spolster, again, you're kind of rewarding the infrastructure in Miami, but he, he's taken a team of, of sort of weird pieces that I think with a with a lesser coach and just a lesser organizational strength would would either be bit players or, or not even in rotations. And guys like Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson and even like an aging Goran Trokic, and he's put them together in something greater than the sum of their parts. And, and then also a shout out to Vogel. Like, I think it's a little hypocritical that I kind of punished him for LeBron when I didn't punish Billy Donovan for CP3. But um, he's, he's done a great job this year. And I, I didn't think the Lakers would be this good or this cohesive this year. And he, he surprised me the way he's gotten a team with, with really a lot of subpar players around their two superstars to be as good as they have. Yeah, also, Vogel's done a great job. Let's give a shout out to Nate McMillan, another guy who I think yeah, yeah. maligned as, as a coach for his time in, in Portland. Um, but the job he's done with Indiana, especially this year, has been uh, awesome. I think he deserves, deserves at least not a real mention. Yeah. Um, the only other guy that I mentioned that you guys didn't talk about was Brad Stevens. I just thought that uh, losing Kyrie and Horford, like that's a lot of talent out the door, even though obviously those guys haven't done much this season uh, because of either injury or age. But uh, to lose those guys and to not only miss a, not miss a step, but to, to, to kind of improve 43 and 21, uh, pushing for that two seed, uh, up against the Raptors. Um, Jason Tatum made a leap. I just felt like, uh, Daniel Tice contributed. I felt like those guys, uh, all kind of internally improved and kind of looked at each other and were like, we're in this together. And I felt like their vibe was that of like a very, uh, well, like 
managed team and well put together team. Obviously, like we've talked about throughout this whole segment, hard to separate from like Danny Ainge and and the rest. But wanted to give him a shout out. And also Josh, uh, the only undefeated coach this season, as far as I, I can tell, Jacques Vaughn, two and zero. Jacques, gotta yes. shout him out. Only coach undefeated. Um, it's a shame that he wasn't able to finish out the season because I think we were all confident he would have finished at 20 and 0, but, uh, gotta give a shout <laughs> out to Jacques. Yeah. He beat the Lakers. He beat both of your guy, Frank Vogel, you know, fair, fair. Yeah. Gavin, any Jacques Vaughn thoughts before I move on? No comment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Miller, no votes in this section. Uh, he, he, he was, he was, I think he, I think he was he's a pretty been solid. Yeah. He's, he? yeah. He's not, I don't think he's great. He's, he's good though. He's fine. He's my, yeah. He's much better than what the Knicks have had recently. <laughs> okay. Um, we've got one more award before the All-NBA teams. Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, along with Coach of the Year, I think uh, very hard to kind of parse, especially with this one because there's not a ton of like publicly available stats. I think it, a lot of it comes down to uh, the eye test and also just kind of like a guy's reputation where um, the people who are watching – certain players every night can kind of see the tendencies more and more like Josh, I think you and I have picked up on like certain nets and like their defensive tendencies. Gavin, I'm sure it's the same with you and Nick's players um, uh-huh. with this. I, I think that um, there were three guys who I think are kind of head and shoulders in terms of their defensive ability, their intensity throughout the season and consistency and like bring it every night. Um, so my ballot I had first, I had Giannis second, Anthony Davis and third, Rudy Gobert, um, who is a little bit like fraught to bring up now. I don't know if this will this coronavirus thing will like impact if people vote for him for for these types of awards. I have no clue on that. I don't think it should, obviously. But um, he had a tremendous season, the two-time reigning Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I don't think he quite was at that same level this season, so that's why I had him third on the list. Giannis, we talked about him. I think just his versatility. He's the only one of these guys that isn't like a, a traditional big man. Uh, not that Anthony Davis is, but he, he's definitely closer than Giannis. I just think that his ability to defend on the perimeter, coupled with his interior defense, is what gave him the edge for me. And then AD, part of having him second was just that I didn't really like that they were like campaigning for him before the season. But also, um, I don't know, in, the, in that Nets-Laker game, I felt like when he was the center, it was pretty easy for Spencer Dinwiddie to get to the basket. Like, I don't think he's quite at Giannis's level and and frankly I don't even think he's quite at Gobert's level I just think that Gobert wasn't fully engaged this season which is why I put him third after Giannis and Anthony Davis Josh what did you have yeah I had Giannis number one agreement with you I went with AD number two and then Simmons number three Um, just because I don't know I wanted to spice it up a little and I think some of the like game-saving defensive plays he made like was he the best on a night-to-night basis no, I think Gobert probably had a bigger impact, but he's kind of like in football, like that corner that can go out and make big plays. And like when he gets an interception, he'll return it for a touchdown. I think that has a ton of value. Uh, so I went with Simmons number third, number three, and then a couple of guys that it has honorable mentions, obviously Gobert. He could have definitely been in the mix uh, at number two or three for me. Bam. And then Jonathan Isaac, I think would have been in the conversation if his season didn't get cut short. I love the second Jonathan Isaac reference. I love Jonathan Isaac. Me too. I'm excited for him next year. Uh, Gavin, what do you think about all this? Yeah, uh, actually, I'm pretty similar to you guys. I actually have AD winning, though, uh, despite Marcus's vitriol towards him. <laughs> and uh, it, it's 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 kind of tough because the Bucks have like a historically great defense when when you take it in in the context 
of, of this NBA season and how high scoring is. Like you, you look at the marks, like nobody else is below, like the Raptors are at 104.9 points allowed per hundred possessions. And then obviously everyone else uh, quite a bit below that. Uh, and the bucks are all the way up at 101.6 points allowed per hundred possessions. So they, they've just been stunningly good defensively. And Giannis as a free safety deserves so much credit for that. But the fact of the matter is they just have strong defenders up and down the roster. And I, I think having both low pie this year has made such a difference to them being consistent for 48 minutes and constantly having really high level rim protection on the court. So not to say Giannis hasn't been amazing. He's a clear second for me. I don't have any uh, distaste with him being first, but I, I think, I think the Lakers having the third best defense in the league is, is pretty amazing. And, and I get that Dwight Howard's had a resurgent year. JaVel McGee is like not bad as a rim protector by any means. And, and just the way they play big across the board really makes a difference. But you, you look like across the roster and the guys they play, like it's not like a bunch of like, super high level defensive dudes like I, I would describe Davis as the only like elite defender uh, on their team obviously guys like Dwight and Danny Green certainly qualified earlier in their career but um yeah I, Bradley I, too yeah sure um yeah I don't know now 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 that I'm going through it they have they have better defenders than I thought. <laughs> so I'll, I'll switch it to Giannis but yeah so Giannis first <laughs> oh wow <laughs> And yeah, I was, I was going through everyone. I'm like, Whoa. these guys like are all actually like pretty good defense. Like even, even someone like Alex Caruso is decent, but I was just like, in my mind, they were all old and washed up, but they're, they're actually pretty good. All right. So Giannis first, clearly I, I never swayed from that. Uh, Anthony Davis, uh, second. And then Josh convinced me because I think Rudy, I, I totally buy his argument. Like I had Rudy Gobert at third and I, I think he is the third best defender in the league. And I think what he does year after year after year gets underrated. And like, frankly, like sort of the same thing, like we're probably in a vacuum, like you would take him over Anthony Davis and him, Giannis and Kawhi would sort of be a toss up on at least during the regular season, like the best night to night defender. But I'm just kind of uh, – it's not even the corona thing. Like, I'm just kind of bored of talking about him. Like, he's in – no shots at our boss, David Locke, but he's in Utah. Like, they've been a little bit disappointing this year. I, I frankly – I have not watched a lot of jazz basketball this season. And, and Ben Simmons, like, flashes in these incredible ways defensively and just has those possessions where he just absolutely smothers someone. And, and the sheer athleticism and lateral mobility at his size is, is pretty stunning to me and, and kind of reminiscent of a young LeBron and a young Kawhi. And he's never he's never placed, I believe, like in this award before. And, and Joel Embiid, uh, rightfully so, when he's fully engaged, is the guy on that team who gets recognition. So I like the idea of giving him a third place. It feels a little bit more fun to me. And we, we need we need as much fun as we can get right now. So I'm going with uh, Ben Simmons. Yeah. Should I, there I be think, an offensive right. player of the year award? Sorry? Should there be an offensive player of the year award? Uh, I mean, I think it it. It usually is MVP for like a lot. I just think for so many voters, like, and, and now I'm, I'm pulling a Marcus and talking about what the normies do. <laughs> but um, for so many voters, like, I just feel like they vote for MVP like that already. Like, I, because I know right now, like, I get pissed off that it exists. Like, I, obviously, it's different because in the NFL, you only play on one side of the ball. But I, I think if any, I think it's insane that it exists in the NFL, not in the NBA, because in the NFL, it really is just who the MVP is. Um, so maybe right. I'm, again, I'm, I'm making your argument, uh, to my detriment, but, uh, yeah, I just, I think too many people conflate that in MVP for, for there to be enough of a difference on a year to year basis. I think this is one of the years though, where there could be a difference. Like I think LeBron might be offensive player of the year, but Giannis MVP. 
I just okay. want Trey, Gavin, I know you love Trey Young. I just want him to have a shot at an award at some point. Yeah, in his I career. mean, yeah, he would, <laughs> yeah, he would, uh, honestly, for, for Opoi, like, I think he would, you could make a <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Knicks podcast, but do not despair. We're going to have some more great stuff for you this week. Continue our player goal series with Alex and a special guest. Don't want to spoil who that is, but you're going to enjoy him. And then we will be back with our third and final part of our NBA Awards series, awarding the all-NBA teams. That next time on Locked on Knicks.